Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. It's finally college football season. Three Mountain West teams played last Saturday and a whole lot more play this week. I'll go over all of last week's games and then I'll get you prepared for the first full week of CFB with breakdowns and predictions for all 12 games this weekend. No time to waste. Let's get right into this with what can only be labeled as week negative one since it's the week before week zero. The first game I want to talk about is San Diego State, their first home game against Ohio, the runner-ups from the MAC last year. The Aztecs defense was the star of the show. Three interceptions from Trey White, Sedarius Barfield, and New Zealand Williams. Cody Moon had a phenomenal San Diego State debut with 12 tackles, which led the team and a deflection. They definitely did catch a break with Curtis Rourke, the MAC player of the year from last year, getting hurt early and only having to deal with backup quarterback C.J. Harris for the rest of the game. Not knocking on the defense's performance, though. They were very solid. They forced C.J. Harris to throw a lot of errant passes. Obviously, you'd like more production from the offense, but the defense just played about as good as you can ask for. It was the pretty standard San Diego State offense we've come to expect. Solid run game at 4.7 yards per carry. The passing game was fine. Maiden wasn't spectacular or anything, but he did find Mark Redman for two red zone touchdowns. Power back Jalen Armstead had 78 yards on eight carries. He did have a fumble, though, which is probably why he didn't get more carries. Mark Redman had five catches, 62 yards, and those two touchdowns we just mentioned. It's a big win to get the Aztecs season on track from the get-go, but certainly nothing that we haven't seen from this team before with how their offense played, with how their defense was very stout, very consistent. Excited to see what they bring in the true week zero when they play Idaho State. The next game we'll go over is Hawaii at Vanderbilt. They went down to Nashville for their first game. They were 18-point underdogs, but Hawaii came to play, man. They only led for one minute total, which was pretty early in the game, but they were in the game the entire time. They were down 14 after the first quarter. They were down 21 entering the fourth quarter, but they cut it to seven and even had a chance to tie the game with less than two minutes to play. Braden Shager's second INT did kill the upset bid. The important thing is that Timmy Chang got these guys ready to play. That's an understatement. They were not scared at all of this SEC team. You can essentially equate the entire loss to the kickoff touchdown they gave up in the first quarter and those two turnovers, which compared to Vanderbilt's no turnovers, that's how you lose a football game. But just a very, very impressive showing from Hawaii. Braden Shager, other than those two interceptions, was very good in his first game running the run and shoot. 27 to 35, 350 yards, three touchdowns. Pofele Ashlock, a freshman, coming on, balling out, seven catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Stephen McBride, the Kansas transfer, also had a huge day with seven catches, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. Also want to shout out Isaiah Tufaga, who had eight tackles, which led the team, three TFLs, and two sacks. Another guy that was very solid was cornerback Verdell Edwards, the second, four tackles, three deflections. Can't be mad at that. Another Power 5 opponent next week for Hawaii, which is Stanford. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but maybe a more winnable game than Vanderbilt. I don't think any Hawaii fans are going to be angry with how their team played, though. It's very clear that this program's heading in the right direction. They're building something special. I'm really excited to see how good Hawaii looks at the end of the season compared to this game. And the final week negative one game we will go over is San Jose State at number six, USC, who was 31 point favorites. Spartans held their own. They were only down seven at the half, but the defense just didn't step up, couldn't get a stop in the final half or on third down. USC did go nine of 13 
13 on third downs and only ended up punting twice. Defending Caleb Williams is a near impossible task, so you can't fault San Jose State's defense too much, but this is a unit that we had concerns about going into the year, and this certainly wasn't going to make anybody more sure of how that defense is going to perform throughout the season. There were some bright spots, though. Shevin played smart, though not too explosive. The stats don't jump off the page. Didn't really make a lot of mistakes. Was making the smart play a lot of the time. I think he's going to be very, very capable of winning some games. The run game was also very encouraging. 7.3 yards per carry in total. Obviously couldn't run the ball too much when you're down a couple of scores, but still that's an area they struggled in last year. You would hope that this is something they can improve on, and at least it looks like they are. Quali Conley was an impressive debut. The Utah Tech transfer only on six carries at 108 yards. Do the math. That's 18 yards a carry. Expect him to have a much bigger role next game. And then Nick Nash, the converted quarterback at wide receiver, had a huge debut at that position with six catches, 89 yards, and three touchdowns. All three of the ones thrown by the Spartans went to Nick Nash. Literally one side of the ball is better off than the other side. The defense has to figure it out as they head into another ranked matchup, this time with Oregon State at home. But this game kind of showed us what we already knew about San Jose State. It's a pretty solid offense with some things to be excited about and some areas they'll certainly improve in from last year and a defense that maybe is lagging behind a bit. Now we're on to our previews and predictions for week zero. We're going to start off with the only game on Friday, which is Stanford at Hawaii. Stanford a three and a half point favorite currently, especially after how solid Hawaii looked last week. You can bet that this should be a close game. The key here is going to be running the ball for both of these teams last year both of these teams were very close to the bottom of the entire country in run defense so if either one of these teams can really get the run game rolling that's going to be key to winning this one if you're Hawaii you're going to want to play fast whenever possible you can expose the lack of continuity on Stanford's defense especially with how the run and shoot works and how it isolates those defensive backs if they can really get in a rhythm kind of like how the Warriors were in the fourth quarter of that Vanderbilt game it's going to be really tough for Stanford to get in their way. The Cardinals are definitely going to prioritize controlling the clock with their two top running backs who both return, EJ Smith and Casey Filkins. That's certainly going to be the game plan, but if they aren't able to run the ball, they're going to have a tough time passing the ball, losing their top four pass catchers, having a new quarterback, Tanner McKee, obviously in the NFL now. So that's another thing Hawaii is definitely going to want to do is create havoc in the secondary. You got a lot more athleticism than Stanford has in their wide receiver room. That's a chance to force some turnovers that could end up being the difference in the game. My prediction after an impressive first game, Hawaii truly looks like the better team here other than running back and tight end. Almost every other position has new starters for Stanford. This will be the key as the run and shoot gets rolling early, forcing the Cardinal to throw the ball much more than they'd like. A turnover or special teams miscues are bound to happen because Hawaii is still kind of finding their footing, especially in the special teams game. But Hawaii is going to score too much for Stanford to have a real chance to catch up. My prediction, Hawaii beats Stanford at home 31-20. to Next up, we got undeniably the biggest game of the weekend. Boise State, the Mountain West favorites, taking on number 10 Washington in Seattle. The Huskies are a 14.5 point favorite led by Heisman candidate Michael Penix Jr. Just a phenomenal player. Of course, started his career at Indiana. Had that incredible 2020 campaign there where he was almost a Heisman candidate before he got hurt. And now after leading the country in passing yards last year, he is aiming to get a Heisman trophy if 
he is able to. He's got his incredible receiving trio of Romeo Dunze, another guy who could be a first-round pick. Jalen McMillan, who was incredibly productive last year. Of course, not quite as productive as them, but still very solid. Jalen Polk. If Washington wants to win this game, they're definitely going to need to protect Michael Penix Jr. Can't have him be rattled. They should be able to do this. They were second in the country last year in sacks allowed per game. And if they have no turnovers, even if the stats aren't that crazy, they're probably going to pull away with the win. And if you're Boise, you're definitely going to want to keep everything in front of you. If you are giving up 70-yard touchdowns, you're just not going to be able to win this game. But if you can limit to just first down completions, you can swap a touchdown for a field goal. That might be the difference in the game. Another huge storyline in this game is that Cam Davis, the projected starting running back for Washington, is out for the season, which then thrusts Dylan Johnson, the Mississippi State transfer, into that running back number one role. He's got a huge responsibility now, and it's going to be very interesting to see how this run game ends up looking as we get into the season with the Huskies. So Boise going to try to completely eliminate the run game, which is certainly a possibility. And if they can do that, focus all of their efforts to stopping Michael Penix Jr. and this incredible passing offense, then that's the way that Boise State is going to come away with the win here. And of course, Talon Green is going to need that arm to be a threat in this game. He's going to have to throw for 300 passing yards at least. The Broncos do have all of that firepower on the ground. That is also where Washington is best defensively. They have a much better run defense compared to their pass defense. If Boise State is going to pull off this upset, Talon Green is going to have to be absolutely on point. He can't have any turnovers more than likely. He's got to throw for at least 300 yards. He's going to need to be a real threat in the air because honestly, if they are only able to run the ball, they're not going to be able to win this game. They're not going to be able to keep up with that Huskies offense. Turnover battle is so huge here. Likely whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win this game. And of course, take into account that this is in Seattle. So if Washington gets an early lead, if that place really gets rocking, it's going to be tough to come back. That's not a place that you love to play. It's not a place you can even hear what your coach is telling you. Boise State definitely going to have to watch out from getting run out of the building. But if they can hang around, this should be a phenomenal game to watch. My prediction, I think the Huskies run game is going to struggle and I think that'll affect the game. It's going to be a close contest throughout, kind of a boxing match between Taylor Green and Michael Penix Jr. The Broncos just can't seem to get a turnover no matter how many times Michael Penix Jr. gets pressured. Never seeming phased, he leads Washington on a final touchdown drive with a minute remaining. Taylor Green finally makes a mistake throwing a ball deep into double coverage that gets picked off, letting the Huskies college football playoff hopes live past week zero. My predicted final is Washington 38, Boise State 34. Next on the list, we have the Utah State Aggies going to play number 25, Iowa, who is a 25 and a half point favorite. Iowa entering an offensive renaissance, they would hope, after picking up two very important Michigan transfers who will both start Cade McNamara at quarterback and Eric All at tight end. They're certainly going to want to establish that connection as soon as possible. They also have Caleb Johnson, a phenomenal running back who's going to have a very solid year in the Big Ten. Cooper DeJean, definitely the best player on that defense. He's a potential first-round pick. He's one of the better boundary corners in the entire country. If Utah State is going to pull off the upset, you're going to need a lot of things to go right. Defensively, you're going to have to eliminate any kind of home run plays. If everything's in front of you, you trade out some touchdowns for field goals, that could definitely be the difference. You're going to need to create some sacks or turnovers. You're going to need big plays from your defense if you're going to pull this off. I'm looking 
looking at Ike Larson or Hale Motuapuaka to make that happen. Play of Cooper Legas will be very, very important in this one. If he can eliminate the turnovers, have a consistent game, then that's definitely going to give the Aggies the best chance to win. But if he has some trouble with his decision-making, Iowa is going to eat him alive. And of course, Robert Briggs Jr. going to need to have a very good game on the ground. He's going to need to be the bulk of their offense more than likely, as running the ball is slightly easier than passing the ball on Iowa, but it's very early, so that's kind of just going off of last year's stats. My prediction, I would expect a slugfest. Both teams are going to try to play hard-nosed ground and pound football. Iowa has an incredible defense and will likely squash any attempt at a passing game, but this is Iowa we're talking about, so it's not like they're going to put up a ton of points. I think that offense sputters a bit. I think Iowa wins, but the Aggies are going to cover. I have Iowa winning 20-10. to Now let's talk about Fresno State going to play at Purdue in West Lafayette. Purdue currently a four-point favorite. Both these teams bringing in transfer quarterbacks that are going to be the focal point of their offenses. Hudson Card coming to Purdue from Texas. Mikey Keene coming to Fresno State from UCF. Purdue has some more offensive firepower than the Bulldogs do, mostly because of Devin Mockaby, who as a freshman emerged as one of the most powerful rushers in the entire Big Ten. If Fresno State is going to want to win this game, they're going to have to try to remove him from the game and mostly force Hudson Card to be the focal point of their offense. Defensively, it's probably advantage Fresno State. If they can get in the backfield, they're probably going to be dialing up a lot of pressure, mainly from those linebackers to try and get Hudson Card off his game. And for Mikey Keene, it's going to be absolutely paramount that they keep him upright and in the pocket. If he has to scramble all game, it's not going to be a fun time for him. And if he's getting hit a lot, it's going to be really tough for you to succeed in an offense that you've only been in for a few months. On paper, this is an incredibly even matchup. I would expect that the turnover battle will absolutely decide this game. My prediction, I think both transfer starting quarterbacks are going to struggle out of the gate. I think Fresno will get an early lead thanks to a couple of forced turnovers, but Purdue is not going to go away easily. Maccabee keeps them in the game when Card is struggling and Card starts to hit his stride at the end of the game. The same can't be said for the Bulldogs offense, which has a tough time finding a go-to option. Fresno State's defense shines, but it's not enough to get a Big Ten road win. My predicted final, Purdue 17 Fresno State 13. Next on the list is our first tune-up game. Air Force getting a home game in Colorado Springs against Robert Morris, who did go 0-11 last year at the FCS level, so I would certainly expect this is going to be an easy win for Air Force. That offensive line is going to have a field day, and it should be a fun game for John Lee Eldridge III. It's really important to see who else carries the ball besides Eldridge, as that's been the big mystery of the offseason, and that defense is just so talented. They're probably not going to have to do anything too crazy scheme-wise to get the win here. Probably don't need to blitz very much. That front four should do their job, and then they're going to make their biggest plays in the secondary. My prediction, I think Air Force wins this one, and Robert Morris just gets truly outclassed. I'm going to pick Air Force 35 to nothing. Next up, we have another tune-up game, UNLV getting the first official game of the Barry Odom era against the Bryant Bulldogs, who went 4-7 and seven last year in FCS play. Bulldogs have an incredible quarterback in Zevi Eckhouse, one of the better quarterbacks in the entire FCS. FCS, but that's probably not going to be enough to get the win here. If they can slow down Eckhouse even a little bit in the first half, the game's probably over. Offensively, the Rebels should focus on trying to hit some home runs with Ricky White and Donovan Lester. They're two big play threats. And you don't want to ask Doug Brumfield to do anything crazy. You don't want to risk injury or anything. He should just be able to sit in the pocket, hit some easy throws. My prediction, I don't think Bryant's going to lay down, but the offense is going to be firing on all cylinders for UNLV. I think Doug Brumfield controls the entire 
entire game. Donovan Lesser breaks off a few big runs and the Rebels start the season off right. My prediction is UNLV wins 45 to 14. Now let's talk about another Mountain West team getting a shot at Caleb Williams and number six USC. This time it's Ken Wilson and Nevada. Trojans currently a 38 point favorite. After watching the ease in which the Trojans put up points against San Jose State, I'd just be absolutely shocked if Nevada did any better. Trying to slow down Caleb Williams is kind of like trying to stop a train with your bare hands. Let's all just take a moment and pray for the Wolfpack defense. Offensively, if the Wolfpack are going to keep themselves in the game, the run game has to be there. John Dollars and Ashton Hayes will likely need 100 yards apiece to pull this one off. It'd certainly be a surprise to see the passing game get into a rhythm as this is Brendan Lewis's first start in about a year and a half. So hopefully the running backs can keep the offense afloat. My prediction, San Jose State honestly played fine last week and they lost by 28. I don't know what you should expect from a team on a 10 game losing streak. I would expect a blowout and be happily surprised with anything else. I'm certainly rooting for Nevada to pull off the upset to end all upsets, but I'm not counting on it. My final, USC 52, Nevada 7. Another team looking to shock the world this week is New Mexico going to visit number 23, Texas A&M. A&M is a 38-point favorite. Yes, you heard that right. Texas A&M is ranked again. They bring back most of their defense that ranked in the top 25 in scoring despite their 5-7 record. Quarterback Connor Wiegman showed his potential as the Aggies' long-term answer there, but they do need a new workhorse running back to emerge after Devin Achain went to the NFL. Lots of highly rated recruits in the receiving room, which should also improve from last year's struggles, but still need to solidify them. That being said, Texas A&M should roll in all likelihood. Lobos are essentially starting from scratch on offense with seven of their 11 starters being transfers. Dylan Hopkins, the UAB transfer, will run the show and have quite the task of wrangling all his newcomers while a top SEC defense is screaming towards him. They'll need to establish the run game early or the pass game will be left out to dry. Corey Krosky, Merritt, and Christian Washington need to have big days for the Lobos to pull this off. If they can keep the running game alive, then maybe they have a chance. Defensively, if the secondary, which is obviously New Mexico's best overall defensive unit, they can limit the passing game of the Aggies. They may have a chance to win if the Aggies run offense really sputters. My prediction, I really wanted to pick the Lobos to win here. I really do. That being said, when half of your starters are transfers and you're playing your very first game together against a solid SEC team, it's almost impossible to pull that off. I think New Mexico goes down by a lot early, but scrapes enough points together to cover the spread. My prediction, Texas A&M 42, New Mexico 13. Next on the list, we have Washington State going to visit Fort Collins, playing Colorado State. Washington State is a 12-point favorite. The Cougars are pretty solid all the way around. Cam Ward is a potential draft prospect at quarterback. He's got excellent mobility and accuracy. They bring back top rusher Nakia Watson, but they are also replacing their top four receivers. The defense isn't anything insane, but there's definitely returning talent. Edge Brennan Jackson, cornerback Chow Smith-Wade led the Pac-12 in forced fumbles, and safeties Jaden Hicks and Sam Lockett the third are all team leaders who could take the next step this year. It's a similar team to the one last year that went 7-6, and six, but they can be better than that if some pass catchers emerge or if the defense can become elite. Colorado State, on the other hand, is almost guaranteed to be better than last year. We all know that. Can they beat a Pac-12 team, though? Torrey Horton, of course, one of the country's best wideouts, and Clay Millen is certainly ready to break out as a sophomore in his second year running the air raid. The transfer portal rejuvenated their running backs, offensive line, and pass catchers, leading to hopes for one of the best Rams offenses ever. The defense has a severe linebacker issue, but the 
healthy defensive line and secondary are quite deep. Muhammad Kamara is one of the Mountain West best edge rushers. Jack Howell is one of the Mountain West best safeties. And other guys like Aiden Hector and Chagosi Anusium are important contributors. There's upside for sure, but can that translate into a week one upset? My prediction, the Cougars run game may be the deciding factor here. If they can run the ball with Watson and Ward, the Rams may not have enough time to make up for the inevitable mistakes a young offense will make. If they can't run the ball, it'll be completely up to the new receiving core to put up the points for this team, which could certainly be an issue. The Rams are good for a few home run plays and some forced turnovers, but they won't be able to beat a perfect Wazoo team. I don't think they'll be perfect, though. In fact, I think Ward's lack of established options causes him to make some ill-advised decisions, which the Rams secondary will be sure to capitalize on. Add in a raucous home crowd in Fort Collins, and I think this is the recipe for an upset. I'm calling my shot. Let's do this. I'm picking Colorado State to win 28-27. Next is another team playing host to a Power 5 opponent. Texas Tech is going to be visiting Laramie, taking on Wyoming. Texas Tech currently a 14-point favorite. The Red Raiders are a dark horse to win the Big 12. The offense returns many of its main components, namely quarterback Tyler Shaw and leading rusher Taj Brooks. The defense has much more to replace, but adds immediate impact transfers and edge Steve Linton from Syracuse and defensive back CJ Baskerville from San Diego State. I'm not as high on Texas Tech as some other people are nationally, but I have no doubt they'll be a bowl team. Wyoming will be relying on their defense to keep them in this game. The elite front seven of Easton Gibbs, Cole Godbout, Devon Harris, etc. is the heart and soul of the team and will make their presence known. The offense, on the other hand, is going to be scratching and clawing for every yard. Harrison Whaley won't be back in time for this game, so the Cowboys are down their top two running backs. Andrew Peasley will need to have a heck of a day for Wyoming to win, as well as shouldering a good portion of the carries himself. Can they put it all together? My prediction, as talented as the Cowboys defense is, they can only do so much. Craig Bull has an incredibly tough game ahead of him where he'll need to figure out how to get on the scoreboard without what was supposed to be the focal point of their offense. I just can't see it happening, though I expect the fantastic front seven to make a name for themselves with their play keeping the game well within reach. My predicted final, Texas Tech 23, Wyoming 14. Our penultimate game to go over, we have the Idaho State Bengals from the FCS division visiting the San Diego State Aztecs, who of course began their season last week with a win over Ohio 22-13. Idaho State went 1-10 last year, so I don't really have a ton of expectations for them coming into this game. But for the Aztecs, I would expect it to be a very similar game plan to Ohio's. They're going to have a lot of carry very run-heavy offense, and if they get into the red zone, you would expect Jalen Maiden to be looking right at Mark Redman. If they build enough of a lead, I would be really excited if we could see Jalen Maiden get to throw the ball with reckless abandon, which is a thing we just never see him do. My prediction, it would be beyond stunning if the Bengals were able to win this game. San Diego State should take care of business and hopefully get Jalen Maiden throwing the ball better. I'll trust them to cover the spread. San Diego State going to win this one 38-3. 
Our final game to go over will actually take place on Sunday, number 18, Oregon State visiting San Jose State at their brand new stadium, Sefco Stadium. Oregon State, a 16 and a half point favorite. The Beavers coming off their best season in over two decades, and they may even be better this year. Running backs Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick return, as does defensive leaders like strong safety Kitano Ladapo, nickel corner Ryan Cooper Jr., and defensive tackle James Rawls. Add in DJ Uyunglele, the former Clemson quarterback, and this may be the most solid team in the Pac-12. For the Spartans, after that thumping they got from USC, they play yet another ranked Pac-12 team. Doesn't get any easier. Shevin may have had a harder time throwing the ball, but should be able to play more of his style of football, escaping the pocket and making plays as he does. Kwali Conley was great last game, but can he keep it going? Can the defense force more than two punts this time? Like last game, if the defense collapses, it won't matter what Cordero and the offense do. My prediction, this game is in San Jose, which will be a big boost for San Jose State. I don't have Oregon State pegged as a team on upset alert necessarily, but it certainly could happen if the Beavers can't get going on offense and Shevin is dropping highlights left and right. The Spartans could pull this off. I just can't trust their defense yet. If they allow less than 50 this time, then I'll adjust my stance on them next week. Until then, though, my predicted final is Oregon State winning 41-27. to Last thing before we wrap this episode up, every week now that the season is going, we're going to be giving out our Hikes Peak Weekly MVP, which isn't necessarily the best performance. It's just my favorite performance, especially if you're a guy that I haven't heard about before because I have heard about pretty much everybody in the conference. So if you slip by my radar and you have an amazing game, I want to give you all the props in the world. And your week negative one Hikes Peak MVP is going to be Pofele Ashlock, the freshman receiver from Hawaii. If you don't remember his stat line, he had seven catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. A freshman putting those numbers up on an SEC defense is just incredible. Have a day, kid. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll react to all the week zero madness and get you ready for week one. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. They're just as informative. And also, if you wouldn't mind, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. Nothing helps the show out more than that. So any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. I can't wait to experience this college football season with all of you right by my side. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.